All righty. Well, good morning, everyone. I uh, hope and trust that you've been encouraged so far uh, by this Sunday and this Youth Takeover Sunday and seeing the youth uh, involved in different elements of the service. For those who don't know me, my name is Isaiah uh, Bennett, and I, I serve at a couple different roles here at the church, but specifically uh, in the context of today, I do oversee our senior youth ministry. Uh, and I, there's many reasons why I love Harper, uh, but one of the reasons I love Harbor is because of this Sunday and because really of what this Sunday represents, that we here at Harbor, that the leadership, that we as a congregation uh, believe that youth matters, that this ministry uh, is very important. And so we take this Sunday to show uh, what the Lord is doing in our youth ministry. We allow the youth to serve in various capacities, allow them to lead us uh, on Sundays. And so it's a great joy uh, to be a part of this church uh, and to be a part uh, of the mission of raising up the next generation uh, of followers of Jesus Christ. And I am happy to share uh, this morning that we do have great uh, youth in our church. We have youth uh, who love the Lord, uh, who are studying the Bible, who are asking really good questions, who are living out the gospel, who are, who are trying to share the gospel in the schools and in their different environments. And so it's really encouraging uh, to be part of this ministry uh, and see what the Lord is doing in their lives. And uh, in particular on Tuesday nights in our youth ministry, a lot of the youth are involved in our youth ministry at the church. Our junior youth ministry has just exploded this fall. There's 40, 50 junior hires running around the building on Tuesday nights. It's crazy, but it's great. Uh, and then as well, our senior high ministry has continued to go on strong. We're having about 25 each week and just continue to build upon uh, the relationships we're forming and continue to dive into the Word of God together. So Harbor, be encouraged. Uh, the Lord is doing good things within our youth ministry. Probably many of you uh, will know this moment well. You're in the kitchen or you're somewhere else uh, and there's a jar that you need to get open and you're trying to open this jar and it doesn't matter how much force or energy you're exerting onto this lid, it just feels as though this lid is not coming off. It doesn't matter how hard you try. You know, you get a crowbar, you get a hammer if you're going to be really extreme and this lid is just not coming off. And in those moments, we're probably thinking this to ourselves. We're probably maybe saying this out loud, but kind of the emotion we're feeling in that moment is just a sense of our weakness. You're thinking, how am I so weak that I cannot get a stinking lid off of this jar? And you just have a sense of your weakness. Now, to make matters worse, this has never happened to me, but so this may have happened to some of you. You know, your mom comes in or your sisters come in, and then they just open it, and then pop, they, they get the lid off. And then even if you, if you haven't already felt weak, you have a real sense of your weakness there in those moments. Now, that's kind of a, a light form to talk about weakness, and I guess in particular there, that's our physical weakness. But we know in reality, uh, for many of us here today, or we may know uh, people who are going through this, that physical weakness is a real thing that you are struggling right now in, in areas of your mobility, going through different diseases, uh, experiencing pain, recovering from, from a severe injury. And so physical weakness for you is a very real and hard thing to go through. Others of us here today may be going through, through mental weakness. You know, we're just struggling with, with depression or, or anxiety, or we just have so much stress on our plate right now, and it feels though the, just the, you know, the weight of the world is on our shoulders. And then we come to the idea of our spiritual weakness, that for those of us here today as, as followers of Christ, we feel as though moments in our own spiritual journey that we are just really weak, that we just do not have a desire to follow after the Lord. We just do not have a desire to serve Him. You know, there's sin in our life. We know it's wrong. We know we shouldn't be doing it, but we just don't have any strength to overcome it. And so we all know these different areas of weakness in our life. And so today we come to a passage in Scripture that deals with this exact topic, the weakness that we have as human beings. 
And this passage that we're going to look at today, it answers the idea of why we as human beings experience our weakness, but then as well, this passage is going to give us hope in our weakness, and it's going to show us where we get the power that sustains us in our weakness. And so here today on this Youth Takeover Sunday, youth, this message applies to you greatly. Uh, You are living in a time right now where there is just media and information coming at you from all angles. Much of it right now is opposed to the the Christian teaching. You know, we just live in such an anxious age right now. You know, when you're in high school, you have to make all these, these big decisions for your life. And so you youth here today, you in some way or another are probably experiencing your own weakness. But this message applies for the rest of us here today, and I acknowledge that most of us here today are not youth age, but we know that when we, when we graduate high school and we're out of, of not being a youth anymore, that our weakness doesn't go away, our trials don't go away, and in many ways they just increase and they continue to build more and more as we progress in life. So this message as well applies to you. So for all of us here today, we need to hear this message from God's word. We need to find the hope in our weakness We need to find the reason of why do we sometimes experience our own weakness and then where we get the power that sustains us in that. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I hope you do, I invite you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, and this is where we are going to be this morning. As you're flipping there or turning there, uh, just one little overview of 2 Corinthians, kind of one major theme we see as you read through this whole book is just the idea of, of suffering, of weakness. It seems though this is just the theme that Paul keeps coming back to over and over in this letter, and then that is what we are going to see as well this morning in this passage, what he highlights here. So this morning in today's message, I want to highlight three areas, what we see from this passage in which we experience weakness, but then in each instance of our weakness where we find the power that sustains us. So the first point that we see here from verse 7 is God's power sustains us in our fragility. Paul begins by saying, look, we as human beings, we are fragile, we are breakable, we are delicate, Uh, and then so in that fragility, then we need God's power that will sustain us in that, and we find that here in this passage. So God's power sustains us in our fragility. If you have your Bibles, look with me here, 2 Corinthians 4, starting verse 7, he writes this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So before we really dive into this verse, I think it's important to note that at the beginning of verse 7, we see the word here, but. And that word has the idea of it's introducing a new clause, and, it, and it's, it's contrasting from a previous clause, from what Paul has previously said, and then he's contrasting it here in this section of verses. So I don't have time to go through the beginning of the chapter, but I think it is important to highlight the beginning of the chapter and some of the themes he's writing there because then that then helps us understand verses 7 to 12. So quickly, uh, just look with me here. Go back to verse 1. I'll highlight a couple of verses here, and we kind of get the idea of what Paul is writing. So he says, verse 1, beginning of chapter 4, he says, Since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. So Paul is writing specifically in his context. We, him, and the other apostles, they have this ministry. They're involved in doing some form of ministry. So then we ask, okay, well, what's the ministry that Paul's involved with? What's the ministry that he's doing? Continue on there. We see verse 2, go about halfway down. He says, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So now he's, he's saying what his ministry is, 
It's this ministry that they're preaching the word of God. They're preaching the truth. He's saying that we're, we're not distorting the truth. We're not deceiving anyone. And then he, he writes there, he's kind of commending himself uh, and what they're doing to others. And then just lastly, we'll look at verse, verse 6. He says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So he's right here how they have the truth, how he has the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The glory has been revealed to him. His, his eyes, their eyes have been unveiled to the truth. They are no longer blinded, and now they can see Christ. So then we see those first six verses there, and as you read through it, you kind of get the idea it's very positive. You know, Paul's commending himself. You know, we're preaching the word of God. We're preaching the truth. You know, it's very positive angle and slant that he's taking. But then he comes to verse 7, and he begins, and he says, but... And it's like he's saying, hold up, hold up for a second. Hold up. If you think this is about what I've accomplished, if you think what I've, this is about what we've done, if you think this is what I'm implying is that we're very strong and mighty men, hold up and let me explain myself. And then this is where we come to this morning and we come back to our original point. God's power sustains us in our fragility. And Paul is saying, look, this is not about us. This is not about what we're doing because look how fragile we are. Look at how breakable we are. And he uses here this imagery of jars of clay, of clay jars. And if we think about that, they have the idea of being very breakable, of being very fragile and delicate. You know, you think if someone just were to knock down a, a clay jar or, or bump it onto the ground, we know that it's going to hit the ground, it's going to crash, it's going to smash all over, and it's very breakable. And that is kind of the imagery that Paul is using here about himself. But at the same time, uh, in, in his context, jars of clay, they would have been used to hold uh, very important things, to hold money, to hold uh, treasure and, and documents and, and important things. And then that is what he is saying uh, about us. He's saying, we have this treasure in jars of clay. So then we ask, okay, well, what's the metaphor here? What is Paul using specifically? What is this treasure that we have in our jars of clay? Well, I think if we go back to verse 6, the second half of it. This is the idea here where we see what the treasure that we have. If you look back at me, verse 6, halfway down, he says, the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So this is the treasure that we possess. We have the knowledge of the glory of Jesus Christ. Again, it's the idea our eyes have no longer, are no longer veiled to truth. They've been unveiled. We're no longer blinded. We can see the, the truth of Jesus Christ uh, and we are in him. But then he reminds us we have this treasure in jars of clay. I mean, we are the jars of clay. Though we have Christ living in us, though we have the Holy Spirit working in us, though, uh, as Paul is saying, you know, he has the power to tr preach the truth, preach the word of God. He, he, is he has this power, but he's reminding uh, the readers here that it is, it is the power is coming from God because in his body they are weak, they are fragile, uh, and, and this is all areas of our lives, in our physically, mentally, and spiritually, we are fragile. So then we ask the question, okay, well, why are we like jars of clay? Why are we breakable? Why are we fragile? Why can't we, we be strong? And I think Paul gives us that answer then in the second half of verse 7. You look there, he says this, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And again, Paul is saying, look, look, we have this power. We're preaching Christ. We're going around. We're doing this. But he's saying, hold up. Again, it's this idea. If you think it's from us, if you think it's in our own power, what, you're, what we're doing, you're wrong. 
Uh, and it, we are fragile, and the reason we remain fragile, the reason we remain weak, is to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And if we follow that sort of logical argument, this idea, if we weren't fragile, if we weren't weak, people may mistake, and people may think, we may only think in our, in our own pride that it's about what we've accomplished, it's about what we're doing, and the Lord allows us to remain weak, to remain fragile, to remind us of this truth, that it's God's power, the all-surpassing power of God that sustains us in these moments. A lot of times, you know, we pray for humility. I think that's a desire we'd all hold, that, you know, I want to be more humble. I don't think anyone here desires to be more prideful. Uh, And so a lot of times we pray that, and that's a great prayer, but sometimes we think, you know, we're just going to be more prideful, or we're going to be more humble. If we just ask, the Lord will give it to us. But I think a lot of times the way we gain that humility is being reminded of our fragility. And we go through these instances where we're reminded of this, and there we were, we were reminded of God's power that sustains us. There's been a couple times over, over the past couple weeks where, you know, I've been in a conversation with someone, and they've just kind of said a one-off comment about something. And then later on, as I reflected on that conversation, I've just gotten so angry in my heart, thinking, how could they have, they have said that? Why would they have said that? Why was that person only thinking of the negative? You know, God is doing a hundred good things, and this person only wants to talk about the negative things. And I've just found in my heart, I've gotten so angry and so, so bitter and, and cynical towards this person and what they said. And they didn't even mean it for, for harm. They didn't even mean it to be in a negative sense. And as I reflected on my reflection, I've just been, I was reminded in those moments of just how, how fragile and weak I am, how quick I can fall back into sin and be filled with this anger in my heart when someone who says a, a comment to me who they're not even meaning it uh, to, be, uh, to be wrong or to make me upset, they just have said it. And I've been reminded in those moments of my, my fragility, of my need continually for God's power that sustains me in life. So Paul here in this passage is writing uh, about his ministry, what he's doing in his context. And we know that each of us here today as followers of Christ, we have our own ministry. We have our own area of which we should be serving God, which we sh- should be serving people. And so what Paul is saying, and whatever our ministry is, whatever that looks like for us, if we think we're accomplishing it on our own, you're, you're mistaken, you're wrong, and we need to remember that in our ministry, it's God's power that is sustaining us. And we look to how fragile we are Youth, you probably know your own fragility. You know, uh, in, in this time of life and in this season, the environments you're in, there's constantly peer pressure. There's constantly uh, people telling you what you should do, what you should believe. And you sense in these times you're just so fragile that maybe you already have given in to, to these different uh, things that people are telling you or just feels like at any moment you could just give in and you can fall into this sin and you're just, you're so weak and you don't know how to, how to respond to everyone and all the different things that people are telling you. And again, we come to this passage, we're reminded that, yes, youth, you are weak. The peer pressure will get to you uh, if you do not rely on God's power that sustains you in these moments. And for the rest of us here today, we probably, uh, in some instance or another, have experienced this fragility at times in our life, whether physically, mentally, spiritually. We've just felt so weak, so fragile. We just had, had no strength to continue on. And we as well need to remain uh, firm in holding to this truth that we have this treasure in jars of clay. We have the treasure of Jesus Christ in our broken and weak bodies to remember that this all-surpassing power comes from God and not from us. So that's the first point. God's power sustains us in our fragility. But then Paul here in this passage, he continues on. He continues to expand on this idea of what we see here and our weakness. And so then the second point we come to here is the idea of God's power sustains us in our trials. 
Paul says, first, look, we are weak, we are fragile, we know that in our own bodies, but then as well, we look externally to the world and all the circumstances, and we experience many great trials, many uh, instances that we, where we just go through great suffering, through great hardship. There's these just moments where we know when we go through these trials, they're extremely hard. It feels as though there's just no way to overcome them. It feels as though there's no way we're going to get through it. And again, in those moments, it's God's power that is displayed and that he gets us through it. Second point, God's power sustains us in our trials. If you go back with me here in your Bible, I think we see this idea here in verses 8 and 9. Paul says this, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. So we see here, I don't know if you noticed, Paul is giving four different uh, phrases, four different words that describe the trials and the, and the, the afflictions that, you, that he's experiencing. Look back to me here in your Bibles. The first one we see at the beginning of verse 8 is he says, we are hard-pressed on every side. This is the idea, you know, again, of afflictions, of suffering, of experiencing trouble in life. And we get this imagery here. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side. It's just this idea when we're going through a trial, it just feels as though it's all around us. It's all-encompassing. It just feels as though there's no way we can escape it. Just hard-pressed on every side. It's just like a wave that just keeps crashing in on us time and time again, and we just can't uh, get away from it. Then the second word he uses here, uh, halfway through verse 8, he says this idea, we're perplexed. Now, at first, when I read this, I was kind of perplexed of why he was using the word perplexed here and in describing uh, his trial. But the word here, perplexed, has this idea of standing in doubt, or just simply we could define it to doubt. And so there's those moments when we go through trials, where we go through hardships, and we are doubting God. We are doubting, you know, we believed in that God is all good, that he is all loving, that he is a good God, but then we go through this trial, and if we're being honest, we're just doubting God. We're saying, God, where is your goodness in this situation? Where is your goodness in this trial? How could you allow this to happen? And this faith that we've had, this foundation that we've believed in God for so long, then we go through a trial and it just feels as though it's just crumbled. And it feels as though the trial is we're just perplexed with God. We're doubting God, thinking, how are you allowing this to happen? Then we go to verse 9. The next word he uses is persecuted. Uh, this word has used, been used you know, all throughout church history, this idea of, of Christians being persecuted you know, being punished or harassed for something that you believe in. And if we look and we know the life of Paul, the life of the other apostles and what they went through, the life of Jesus, we know that they were persecuted greatly. They were opposed for this message that they were teaching and preaching. And then the last word we see there is struck down. So this is the idea, you know, you've just been knocked down. You've just been hurt badly. We get this imagery here of just someone laying down on the ground and it feels as though they're just given up. They're just defeated. They've been struck down and they just don't have any strength, any desire to get back up again. So if you remember the second point we're on, it's that God's power sustains us in our trials. You may be thinking, okay, we've, ser- we've clearly seen here the trials. There's no shortage of Paul's description of trials in our life and the different things we go through. But then we say, okay, well, where's the idea of God sustaining power in this? It seems as there's no hope in this. You know, in verse 7, we saw clearly the word all-surpassing power. Verses 8 and 9, we don't necessarily see the words, you know, power or this all-surpassing uh, power. But I think the idea where we see God's sustaining power in these verses is, I don't know if you noticed, but again, he uses the word but, and he uses it four times. And so it's the same idea. He's contrasting one thing with something else. And I think here in these statements, this is where we are seeing God's power 
displayed. Look back at me here, verses 8 and 9. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. So we see what Paul is writing here. He's saying, yes, we've experienced many trials. We've experienced many hardships. He's not sugarcoating that at all. He's saying this is real and this is very hard. But he's saying we are not in the midst of all this. We can keep living on. We can continue to move forward. We are not destroyed. And in these moments, we don't know how this is possible. We don't know how we're going to get through these trials. But as Paul writes here, he's not defeated by these, these trials. And he's implying from what he wrote in verse 7 that's the all-surpassing power of God that will get you through these trials and that you can continue on in life. If anything will ever make you feel so weak in life, so out of control, it's going through a trial in your life. You know, one moment you think life is good, everything is, is going well, there's no major problems, and then you get a phone call and everything is different. Your life will never be the same ever again. One phone call, one accident, one event, life is different, and we go through these trials and we just have ne- could have never imagined that we'd experience this. We experience the hardship of it. And in our trials, the only way that we can not be in despair, not be crushed, not be abandoned, not be destroyed, as Paul writes here in verses 8 and 9, is because of God's power that is displayed in us and sustains us in these trials. So we read here of Paul's trials and what he's gone through, and some of you here today are are sitting here listening to me, and you're saying, yes, Isaiah, I know, I know, this is me right now. You're saying, I'm going through these trials. I'm just experiencing this. It just feels as though it's one thing after another, and you can relate, and you know this right now. It just feels as though there's no break in your trials. Others of you are, are sitting here reading this and thinking, you know, I can't actually relate to that. You know, life has been good. God has blessed me, um, a good family, you know, never been a major death, never been a major crisis of faith, uh, and so you can't really relate to this. And, and that's okay. There, we shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't, don't want to make you feel bad because of that. But I think it's important in these moments, wherever we're at, to build a foundation for when these trials do come. Today is October 31st, which means there's, we celebrate something on October 31st. Anyone know what that is? Reformation Day. Good. Good answer. That's the right answer. I was worried we'd get the other one. Um, So, Reformation Day, I don't have time to get into it. It's a very important part uh, of our Protestant faith and in church history. Uh, And there was one man uh, in particular who led that charge. His name was Martin Luther. I feel as though my reformer friends, the seminary I attend, if I weren't to mention Reformation Day on Reformation Day when I'm preaching, I would be disowned. So this one is for you guys. Uh, But there is one one Martin Luther quote I'll share with you. Stephen Martins, if you're out there in TV land, this one's for you. Um, And this is the quote. This is the most dangerous trial of all. When there is no trial and everything goes well, for then a man is tempted to forget God to become too bold and to misuse times of prosperity. And so you see what Martin Luther is saying here in this quote, this idea of when we're not going through trials, when we're not experiencing our weakness, it, become, it can become very easy to become prideful. Think, you know, I figured this out. I'm, I'm doing well in life. I'm following the Lord. I'm walking in obedience. There must be a reason why I'm not experiencing any trials. And he's saying we must be very careful in those moments because the Lord will come in quickly. He will humble us and we will be brought down in these trials. So whatever you're experiencing right now, great trials, life is, is going fine. Remember that God's power will sustain you in these moments. Let me focus on one specific trial this morning as we talk about this, this or on this youth uh, takeover Sunday. And this is the trial that we all go through. This applies to all of us. This is the trial when youth leave the faith. When you say, you know, I'm done with this. I don't want any part of the church. I don't want to be involved. You know, they walk out the doors and they don't come back. 
And, you know, I could pull out numbers of different surveys of different percentages of youth that are, are, are falling away. Uh, it's high. I've, I've seen 50%. I've seen higher. I've seen lower. I think the, the point is it's, it's high and it's, it's overwhelming. It's hard to process those numbers as we look at that. And the reason this should be a trial for all of us as a church is, you know, we see very clearly we are the family of God. We are a family here as the church and a body of believers. And so when someone walks away, whether they're youth or, or older, this should grieve our hearts. This should hurt our hearts to know that youth are walking away. Parents, I know this, the thought of this, or when this has happened, grieves your heart. Us as youth leaders, we carry this burden. Almost every week on Tuesday nights before, we, before the youth come, we pray that the Lord would save our youth, that these youth would know Jesus Christ, especially in this time of our life. Youth, I know this trial even grieves your heart. I've had youth come up to me and share. They've just said, there is just no Christians in my high school. It just feels as though everyone, even the people who say they're Christians, just want to party. They just want to talk about boys and girls, and there's just no interest. There's no Christians around me. So we all experience this trial together. Others of you here today might be on the opposite end of this trial. You may be sitting here and thinking, that's me. I'm the one that when I move away to university, when I'm out of the house, I'm not going to church. I'm done with this. And the trial for you is as you're conflicted of, you know there's something real about God, you know there's some truth there, but you know you also have this desire to, to live after the world and you don't want to upset your parents, you don't want to upset your friends, and so you are conflicted as well in this trial, thinking what do I do, how do I navigate through this? So in all these trials in life, and the trials of, of youth and, and what do we do with them and other trials that we go through, it can be overwhelming, it can be discouraging. What do we do? It feels like the world's just caving in on us, people are, are turning away. And again, we must hold on to this truth that the way we get through this is we remember that God's power sustains us. It's God's power that saves, saves our youth and not anything we can do. And we rest in that truth. Now, this may be a, a kind of discouraging uh, note to end on here. If I were going to end this, my point on, the, on this note, you may be saying, Isaiah, are you kind of subtly saying we have a lot of youth you know, who are leaving from, from Harbor? And I don't think that's the case. You know, like I said at the beginning, we have, we have some great youth at the church. So let me share a couple encouraging stories for you of where we are seeing God's power sustaining our youth in the midst of their trials, in the midst of, of the trial of living here in this broken world. I had this week just one of our girls in the youth group, she texted me a video of another one of our youth. He was reading scripture in the middle of the hallway and, and there was a group of kids, just our youth gathered around him and apparently he'd read a passage of scripture. Then he gave a little devotional in the middle of the hallway at high school. We have, we have another uh, youth in our group. He's been coming over the past couple weeks and months and he comes from an Islamic background and he's just been asking great questions. You can see just the wheels are turning uh, in his head. Uh, and so then this past week, I drove him home after youth, and I just said to him, I said, where are, where are you at in your faith? Are you, are you saying you're a Christian? Or are you still working through this? And he said, no, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. It makes sense. You know, I'm forgiven of my sins. Yeah. Um, you know, he says, I, he says, I'm a new creation, and I believe in Jesus Christ. He says, Christianity makes way more sense than Islam does. He says, I found way more peace in Islam than I, or sorry, in Christianity than I ever have uh, in Islam. And so we just see how the way God is working in his life. We saw our youth band up here on stage behind us, and unfortunately, we didn't have all of our youth here this morning to play, but we've seen just how, how they lead us every week on Tuesday nights in, in musical worship uh, for youth group, and there's been one girl in particular in that group. She's taken on the leadership, and she leads that group and organizes them and gets them together to be playing. So hopefully, as you hear these stories, we see the power uh, of God working in the lives of our youth, the way his power is sustaining them, giving them boldness, giving them grace, even in the world that we live in. So the first point, God's power sustains us in our fragility. Second point, God's power sustains us in our trials. 
And then thirdly here, we come to our final point. God's power sustains us in our nearness to death. What we see here in this point, what Paul is going to expand on is that many times in life, it feels as though death is very near. It feels as though death is very close. It feels as though at this moment, we could, we could experience death and we could die. Or we, we know of others who have been very close or they have experienced death. And so therefore, in return, we've experienced just the nearness of death. And even in these moments of great hardship, of great suffering, we see as well the idea God's power is sustaining us in that. So God's power sustains us in our nearness to death. Look with me here, verses 10 and 11. Paul writes this, We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So we see here what he's saying here at the beginning of verse 10. He's saying we always carry around. It's just this idea of what Paul is saying specifically in his ministry, what they've gone through. It's just always happening. The trials, the the suffering, it's just been always happening over and over. And in many times, in Paul's example, he said, it feels as though this could have been death. We could have died here today. This encounter that we went on, death could have been there. But we notice here he says we carry around uh, in, in our body the death of Jesus. So he's not just saying, you know, we have been hated by people because we're mean people. He's not just saying we've had bad luck and we've just made some dumb decisions and that's why we're experiencing this. Rather, he's saying the reason why they've experienced these trials, the reasons why they've been close to death is because he's identifying himself in union with Jesus. They're saying that people actually hate Jesus. People actually don't like the message of Jesus as they persecuted Jesus, as Jesus was killed on a cross by evil men. And so therefore, then they also hate those who follow after Jesus. And that is why Paul is saying he is experiencing this. It's his union with Jesus, and he's identifying he's going through the same thing as Jesus did. So then that's this idea where we see the nearness of death. But then if we look to the second half of verse 10, this is where we see the idea of God's power sustains us in us, and it's the power through Jesus Christ. That in our suffering, in our tribulations, we can show that we are in Christ. We have power to get through these instances because we have the resurrection power of Jesus in us. And if we look to verse 11, he's, he says almost the same thing there, the same idea. He just words it a bit differently. You know, he says at the beginning of verse 11, we are alive. You know, we are alive. We have life because Christ is alive. Christ has overcome the grave. Christ is resurrection, resurrected, and now he has given us life, and we have that same life in him. And though we've been also been given over to death for Jesus' sake, as he writes there, he writes that this life may be revealed in our mortal body. So it's the same idea we've already seen, that in our mortal bodies, in our body of death, in this jars of clay, the power of Jesus Christ is displayed in us, and it sustains us through these moments. So the three points we saw this morning, God's power sustains us in our fragility, God's power sustains us in our trials, and God's power sustains us in our nearness to death. Here today we read these verses. We've been reminded of, of weakness and, and the different trials we go through. And for each of us here today, it's looked differently in our lives. We've not all experienced our weakness and trials. We've experienced it in different areas. It's not all been equal. But there is one area of weakness that each of us have experienced equally, that each of us have today equally, and that is our weakness of sin. That here today, each of us have equally fallen short of the glory of God. We are all equally weak and incapable of coming to God on our own, on our own merit and strength. And here today, we are all equally in need of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. If you look here, verse 12, the final verse uh, in our passage, Paul writes this, so then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. 
And Paul is saying the reason we've gone through all this, the reason we've almost gone through death and experiences is because we want to bring this message of Jesus Christ to you. We want you to know the hope of Jesus Christ. We want life to be alive in you, and that is why we're going through all of this. We see our sin. We see our weakness. But then we see the power of God through Jesus Christ, that Christ was powerful enough to do what we couldn't do, that he overcame sin, he overcame death, he overcame punishment. He was powerful enough to defeat these things that we could not defeat. And now, through his resurrection power, we can be made alive in Christ. We can be saved from our greatest enemy, from our greatest weakness of our sin. And then, this truth can be true in our lives. If we look back to verse 6, this can be true in our lives. He says, he can make his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, when we put our hope in him, we can have this treasure. We can have this treasure, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ alive in us. But then we're reminded today, as we've seen this passage, we will, we will always have this treasure for the rest of our lives here on earth in jars of clay. And so we will continue to be weak and in constant need of his grace and power for the rest of our lives. Youth, I wish I could come before you here today on this Youth Takeover Sunday and say, if you believe in, in Jesus Christ, if you believe in him, you're going to have an easy life. Things are going to be smooth sailing from here on out. And I can't tell you that because this passage exists in Scripture. And so, youth, I, I, if you do believe in Jesus Christ, if you do make him the king of your life, that for the rest of your life, when you do go through weakness, when you do go through trials, that in those moments, you can experience God's sustaining power in those moments and that there will be no greater joy in your life that even as you go through these trials, even as you go through these hardships and your weakness, that you can time and time again, day in, moment by moment, experience the grace of Jesus Christ. And for the rest of us here today, may we as well cling to this truth. You know, many of us here today have experienced weaknesses and trials way greater than I ever will. And like I said, some of us here today have not experienced it to that great of an extent. But wherever we're at today, maybe hold fast to this truth, that we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, we, we come before you this morning, and we admit that, that we are weak, that we are, we are fragile, we, are, we have gone through many trials, we have experienced, or have come close to death. Father, we, on our own, in our own weakness, in our own sin, we can do no good. We cannot come to you. We cannot save ourselves. But we thank you for the power of Jesus Christ, that he overcame uh, these areas of weakness, of sin and death, that he defeated the grave and that Jesus is alive and, and that we can have, we can share in that resurrection power. And so, Lord, I pray for anyone here today. I pray for our youth uh, who do not know you, that you would save them, that they would put their full faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we acknowledge, as we, even though if we're in Christ, uh, as we continue to live here on earth in this fallen and in broken and sinful world, that we will time and time again continue to experience these, these areas of weakness of suffering and trials and, and death. And so, Lord, I pray in these moments that for each of us that we would have, um, we would rem be reminded of this truth that it is your power that sustains us in these moments and that it is your power that is displayed and that we would time and time again run to you in those times. And so we pray all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. I look around uh, the, the room this morning. There's many of us here today. And you know, it would be foolish of me to think that none of us here this morning are going through trials. None of us here this morning are going through weakness. And right now, we have a great opportunity to apply this message. We have a great opportunity to be the body of Christ and to care for one another and to remind one another of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And then this week, probably many of you will come into contact with people as well who are going through trials, who are going through weakness. 
And the difference between what they're going through in their trials and what we're going through is that we have the hope of Jesus Christ and they don't. And so what a great opportunity in their trials and their weakness that we can give them and show them the power that sustains them and the power of Jesus Christ. And so with that, Harbor, we are sent.